thought about what my time in organized crime against my will was definitely like the fact that as a child I um, felt like I had to hide my my neurodiversity to shield my autism to keep my neurodivergence a secret because in like I said in the crime world some people were beaten, robbed and killed for having what's called physical disabilities, intellectual disabilities, all kinds of disabilities. But I'm gonna give you new information that I never said before. Um, I often, in that world, um, would work extra hard to protect people with disabilities. Um, What I would do is I would, um, you know, when criminals would um, talk about people with disabilities as often obscene, vulgar, profane, all kinds of slurs for people with disabilities being used. And what I would do was gently push back in a way that um, would make them think and would make them not ever come to the conclusion that I was a person with disability. So what I would do in particular was I would try to reason with them in the name of empathy saying what if that was your child what if that was your sibling what if that was your grandparent what if that was your parent what if that was your true friend what if that was somebody you were close to and over time the profane vulgar obscene uh, linguistics that they were using would decrease over time because they start thinking to myself, themselves, wow, that is true. You know, they said it, I was saying, you know, they said it in their own way, but they're basically saying, you know, basically that what you're saying is true because. It also made them think, yeah, I was taught to hate people with disabilities, you know, by the streets, by the people they knew. And so me and those criminals started, you know, educating people over time. You know, we would both say, what if that was your such and such? What if that was your so-and-so? And so the ableism, the murderous ableism went down. The... The robbing of people with disabilities went down, and the beating of people with disabilities went down. So, what I do 
remember was that um, I still never told anybody that autism because in the street world, people can go through feigned reforms and to be in a situation where people may still harbor some feelings. That's what made me go, I still don't think I can tell anybody. Um, so I was, you know, I was responsible for, you know, decreasing the criminalistic ableism. Did it ever fully stop? Well, because you don't always see, well, I didn't always see the criminalistic dirt that every criminal does. I don't think so, but when I was around, I stopped seeing it after a while. That doesn't mean they still didn't do it because people can act like they care, but behind the scenes, they are sharks just biting ferociously. So sometimes in the crime world, people will pretend to be concerned, but but away from your presence, they and they revel in their villainous appetites. So, I also was able to hide my um, sense of questioning on sexuality and gender identity. And the way that I did that was um, you know, when criminals would make profane, vulgar, obscene wordings and um, and all slurs against the LGBT plus community, like I do with people with disabilities, I ask them, what if that was your such and such? What if that was your so-and-so? And they acted compassionate. And the, you know, being murderous against LGBT plus plummeted. Being, um, robbing LGBT plus people plummeted. And beating up LGBTQ plus people plummeted. Um, did, did it ever fully stop in terms of the murders and robbers being LGBTQ plus people? I don't think so, but it's just, it's just something I stopped seeing after a while. Um, and I never told them I was questioning sexuality or gender identity. I was able to take a stand while still um, protecting my visible humanity and internal humanity. Um, so after a while, because I had clout command in the streets, if you will, 
it was understood if you are unnecessarily targeting LGBTQ plus people with disabilities, you would get beat, robbed, and killed. They would beat you, rob you, and then kill you. And some people did not follow those those street codes, the street version of quote-unquote guidelines, and they end up being beaten, robbed, and killed. Uh, that happened at one point, maybe um, the first, I mean, the first half of my time of organized crime, the second half was my time when I was leaving such a world. Um, I remember um, no criminal ever knew in terms of the organized crime was in. No criminal ever suspected that I was a person with a disability because of my um professorial vocabulary um and you can have a disability and speak like a college professor um they didn't suspect that I was a person with disability because of my people skills social skills and yes you could be a person with disability and have people skills and social skills they also didn't suspect that I had a disability because of the fact that I could walk and you know you could be a person with disability and still move around I just want to clear that up but um in my situation um for me I remember um being a person with uh disability, you know, they, I remember being a person that wasn't suspected of being, of having this feeling of crime, or because also, I didn't do any stemming, I didn't do any kind of sensory overload that was clearly obvious, my eye contact was very strong, and I acted in an extremely autonomous, severely independent way. Now, it could be a person with disability, and have strong eye contact and be very autonomous, very uh, independent. And I recognize that you can be a person with disability and still clean and cook and mop and wipe and do everything that other people do. So, that's what made me, you know, understand they they just could not ever have the two together. Plus, as a five-year-old, because in their mind, he learns quickly. Well, learning quickly is not always a good thing. I just learned enough 
to not be killed. Um, I learned enough to not be so offensive of slow learning that uh, I didn't um, incur the wrath of the convicts of the convicts and um, I was able I had to learn to hide it very well um, for survival intentionality for breathing purposefulness as for my um you know, sexual orientation and gender identity, what I did um, in that regard was um, because I talked about women all the time and because I I behaved very comfortably around women and they responded well to me I responded well to them and I could make them giggle and laugh and I could make them smile and happy no you know the crime world no one assumed in the street world that I was trans or gay or bisexual or queer or non-binary, gender non-conforming. Um, but you can treat women well verbally, non-verbally, and have them at ease with you, and make them, you know, and, and, and draw out their bubbly personalities, and still be not heterosexual, not cisgender. That those are truths. But in the crime world, ignorantly speaking, those traits tend to show. Oh. You must be a real man. Now, you can be a real man and not be straight. That's very true. But in the crime world, their definition of a real man is a toxic, hyper-masculinity male figure. And in the crime world... Chauvinism, misogyny, bravado, machismo, the being macho and being strong, unbending, unending and harsh and unfeeling, uncaring and not being a gentleman and you know just male misogyny and male sexism are highly prized in the crime world even by female misogynists so um, I remember as time went on I started educating the women about how a healthy man should be and the men too and I said well would you want a man to call you (laughs) bitch all the time I didn't actually say the word, but 
I said the B word all the time. No, I wouldn't want no nigga call me a bitch all the time. That's what they said. And I remember asking the guys, would you want a woman to call you nigga all the time? I didn't say that, I, but I just said, would you want a woman to call you anywhere all the time? I wouldn't want no bitch call me nigga all the time. And after a while, those words didn't completely dissipate because it's still the crime world, but they decided to make it a term of endearment more, much more so than um, antagonizing insults. So the slurs that are attributed to um, women, men, and black folks, and the slurs of all communities, they turned them all to terms of endearment much more than, like I said, antagonistic insults. And uh, I remember uh, being in that world, and I, um, it's like the 20 minute mark, I'll end talking about it so I can talk about religion next. I started fully understanding that um, I was able to make a difference in a way that kept people from, you know, kept most people that were from, you know, questioning my sexuality, my gender now. Some, some, some people did. Some, you know, a few of the women did, a few of the men did. And they even questioned my brain power and what happened to them. You know, even questioning my boyhood, questioning my manhood when I was a boy, but they still was like, we questioned Antonio's manhood, that type of ordeal. There are Corpses were found lying bloodily on the streets and on the alleys because the criminals were so upset that they would make those insinuations about me, sometimes directly, the majority of the time, majorly directly. So, that is more of my memories. I uh, often think about the time where, you know, the people with disabilities, the LGBT plus community, um, were very appreciative that I was saving their lives. I say our lives, but back then I would say there because I didn't think of myself as queer. I do now. And I, um, they were celebratory of me, taking me out to eat and, you know, walk in the park, go to movies. We would just chill and, you know, hang out in their homes. We just had a robust social life together. Um, and I always felt positive about transgenderism. I always felt positive about homosexuality. Even when I was a devout Christian, I never saw transgenderism, homosexuality, even I saw them as God's positives in 
our earthly human living. Now, speaking of that, um, intelligent segue I can make into now discussing um, religion. It always, um, I've always had a question about about scriptures. Um, and I'll tell you why I've had those um, those questions of these question scriptures. I'm about to tell you. I've always asked, why are scholars divided regarding scriptural passages and uh, and biblical tales? It's just never something I understood I'm like this is supposed to be according to the church the flawless God's word so why would scholars not easily interpret and more importantly easily misinterpret what the church calls the good book. I've always been perplexed by that because that shouldn't be the case when it comes to divine products, divine production. I um I figured out that that's why some people feel like religious texts, the Bible being one of them, is tainted, contaminated, polluted, impaired, and spoiled. Because they feel like if the Bible is clean and pure and innocent, guiltless and blameless, then there should be no mistaking what it says. And you should be able to not take long for the Bible to be understood. I think that's why some people feel like the Bible is unfinished, the Bible is not completed, the Bible is uncompleted, the Bible is undone, the Bible is half done, the Bible is incomplete, the Bible is under construction, the Bible is unperformed, the Bible is imperfect, the Bible is unconcluded, the Bible is deficient, the Bible is unexecuted, the Bible is unaccomplished, the Bible is in preparation, the Bible is in the making, the Bible is not done, the Bible is in the rough, the Bible is sketchy, 
The Bible is tentative, the Bible is partial, the Bible is shapeless, the Bible is formless, the Bible is unperfected, the Bible is unfulfilled, the Bible is undeveloped, the Bible is unassembled, the Bible is defective, the Bible is found wanting, the Bible is cut short, the Bible is immature, the Bible is faulty, the Bible is crude, the Bible is rough, the Bible is without a finish, the Bible is unpainted, the Bible is unvarnished, the Bible is bare, the Bible is raw, the Bible is unprotected, the Bible is uncovered, the Bible is undecorated, the Bible is unadorned, the Bible is not plain. That's why some people feel like the Bible is unfit, the Bible is incompetent, the Bible is unqualified, the Bible is feeble. The Bible is unpracticed, the Bible is inexperienced, the Bible is weak, the Bible is impotent, the Bible is inept, the Bible is clumsy, the Bible is cruddy, the Bible is debilitated, the Bible is incapacitated, the Bible is badly qualified, the Bible is unable to be great, the Bible is unprepared, the Bible is ineffective, the Bible is inept, the Bible is unsuitable, the Bible is adapted, the Bible is improper, the Bible is wrong, the Bible is advised, the Bible is unlikely to be good, the Bible is unpromising, the Bible is inexpedient, the Bible is inappropriate, the Bible is inapplicable, the Bible is useless, the Bible is valueless, the Bible is mistaken, the Bible is incorrect, the Bible is inadequate, and the Bible is flimsy. I'm just telling you, many people feel these ways because they're like, wait, this is supposed to be God's word. I, it shouldn't take me so long. For me to process it because there should be no unambiguity towards anything from God. I should be able to read a passage and go, okay, clearly this is symbolic. Clearly this is real. Clearly this is allegorical. Clearly this is metaphorical. Clearly, this is historical. Clearly, this is actual. Clearly, this is factual. Um, clearly, this complements science. Clearly, this complements geography. Clearly, this complements mathematics. And so, um, Some people are very frustrated that the Bible is not understandable to them, not comprehensible to them. The Bible is undesirable to them. The Bible is unwished for by them. And, um... And I'm not bashing Christianity. I'm just saying that that is something I've heard many people say. Um, And I like to make it a global conversation. And
people are wondering, why does the Bible have a history of being pseudonymous? Why the fictitious names by some of the biblical authors? Why do the Bible writers have pen names, assumed names, incognito, aliases, false names, professional names, sub-requests, nicknames, stage names, nom de guerre, alinums, anonyms, non de plume, plume, and many people are rightfully wondering why are so many of the Bible writers unknown? Why are they secretive? Why are their real names kept private? And why the why is there mysteries about their names? Why are they enigmas? Why are they veiled? And why? Are they, why is there, why are they cryptic and why is there real identities, confidential information and something forbidden? Those are excellent questions too. And some people are, um... are wondering why is the Bible capable of distortion, warps, twists, contortions, bends, buckles, deformations, deformities, curves, curvatures, malformations, disfigurement, crookedness, gnarls, knots, misrepresentations, perversions, falsifications, misreportings, misstatements, Tamperings, imbalances, prejudices, alterations, colorings, garblings. And many people are wondering how is the Bible capable of the action of interpreting itself wrongly? And How is the Bible able to be miscalculated? And how do people get the wrong ideas about the Bible? How, you know, how can the Bible be misread, misheard, um, misconstrued, misapprehended, misconceived? How can a Bible be filled with, you know, misconceptions, blunders, Solicism and grammatical mistakes in speech and writing. How's the Bible able to be misprinted and errors in printed text? So those are the other questionings that people are rightfully wondering. Um, And now I'm going to get to the sex, adult, and porn content part. Not quite. So many people are wondering 
how is the why is the Bible responsible for human problems, human difficulties, human issues, human troubles, human worries, human complications, human difficult situations, human mess, human muddles, human mix-ups, human snacks, human hitches, human drawbacks, human stumbling blocks, human obstacles, human hurdles, human hiccups, human setbacks, human pushbacks, human blowbacks, human backlash and human hassles, human dilemmas, human vexation, human gremlins, human headaches, human catch-22s, and human nuisances. In, in layman's terms, how is it so easy for people to read the Bible and think that discrimination laws gets them to heaven, that discrimination institutions gets them to heaven, that discrimination systems gets them into heaven, that discrimination industries gets them into heaven, discrimination entities get them to heaven, that discrimination policies get them to heaven, discrimination ideas get them to heaven, discrimination ideals get them to heaven, that discrimination policies gets them to heaven. That discriminatory traditions actually gets them into heaven. That's what many people are wondering. Many people are wondering, is there even discrimination in heaven? Mm. Now we get to the sex adult and porn content part. recognize that um, I have developed some sexual boundaries erotic boundaries and sensual boundaries for myself I don't sleep with unhealed individuals I don't sleep with people who are controlled by trauma complexes. I don't sleep with people who view therapy, medication, coaching, and consultations negatively. I don't sleep with people who are bigots. I don't sleep with small-minded people. I don't sleep with closed-minded people. I don't sleep with narrow-minded people. I don't sleep with one-track-minded people. Like I said, I don't sleep with small-minded people. I don't... I don't sleep with those who are judgmental. I don't sleep with self-righteous people. I don't sleep with hypocrites. I don't sleep with phonies. I don't sleep with frauds. I don't sleep with liars. Um, I don't sleep with con artists. I don't sleep with bullshit artists. I don't sleep with Ponzi schemers. 
I don't sleep with choke artists, those who bow to the pressure of a lack of moral excellence when it comes to being presented with a need for more excellence. I don't sleep with scam artists. I don't sleep with felons. I don't sleep with those who commit misdemeanors. I don't sleep with criminals. I don't sleep with those who commit federal crimes, international crimes, and all crimes on all levels. Um, I don't sleep with anti-democracy persons. I don't sleep with violent offenders. I don't sleep with abusers. I don't sleep with traumatizers. I don't sleep with perverts. I don't sleep with deviants. I don't sleep with tyrants. I don't sleep with authoritarian people. I don't sleep with dictators. I don't sleep with totalitarian people. I don't sleep with Orwellian people. I don't sleep with those who cheat on their significant others. I don't sleep with those who do incest. I don't sleep with those who do pedophilia. I don't sleep with those who do necrophilia. I don't sleep with those who are for rape culture. I don't sleep with those who think highly of the casting couch. I I dislike the casting couch genre in porn because it makes the illegal taking advantage of a person's being bent on superstardom as worthy of endorsement. I say hell the fuck no to that crazy stupid bullshit. And I don't sleep with those who are prejudicial. I don't sleep with those who are assholes. I don't sleep with toxic people. I don't sleep with moral cowards. I don't sleep with registered sex offenders. I don't sleep with unregistered sex offenders. I don't sleep with victimizers.
I don't sleep with charlatans. I don't sleep with traitors. I don't sleep with hateful people. I don't sleep with those who are pro-discrimination. I don't sleep with hate groups. I don't sleep with those who do hate speech. I don't sleep with those who commit hate crimes. I don't sleep with those who are us versus them minded. I don't sleep with adult abusers. I don't sleep with child abusers. I don't sleep with traffickers. I don't sleep with those who are pro-slavery. I don't sleep with people who are not health conscious. I don't sleep with people who view doctors, dentists, and gyms, and eating right, and exercising, and drinking healthy fluids as negative realities. I don't sleep with bullies. I don't sleep with vanity, greedy, hubris, prideful, arrogant, haughty spirits. I don't sleep with the corrupt. I don't sleep with insurrectionists. I don't sleep with those in favor of sedition. I don't sleep with those in favor of being treasonous. Um, I don't sleep with those who talk loud and say nothing. I don't sleep with people who are all talking, no action. I don't sleep with people who are willfully ignorant, consciously speaking. I don't sleep with people who rely on conspiracy theories and misjudge them as facts, truth, and evidence. I don't sleep with people (laughs) 
who reject gray areas in favor of black and white thinking. I don't sleep with people who are communists. I don't sleep with the far right. I don't sleep with people who love dirty politics. I don't sleep with people who think highly of office politics. I don't sleep with extremists. I don't sleep with people who have addictive personalities. I don't sleep with self-destructive behavioral type of people. I don't sleep with people who love dictatorial regimes. I don't sleep with people who are exploiters of the least of these. I don't sleep with passive aggressive people. I don't sleep with negative people, difficult people, and hard hearted people. I don't sleep with heartless people. And now I can get to porn and adult content, which is basically the same thing. Porn is a form of adult content, as y'all already know. I have come to recognize in that kind of world 
Um, because that world is fixated on betraying sex and humans as brute strength and brute strength instigators. A lot of times that also means that um Many people don't treat sex with kindness. They don't treat sex as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. They don't treat sex as kindliness. They don't treat sex as kind-heartedness. They don't treat sex as warm-heartedness. They don't treat sex as tender-heartedness. They don't treat sex as goodwill. Let me put more umph into it. They don't treat sex as verbal kindness. They don't treat sex as the verbal quality of being verbally friendly, verbally generous, and verbally considerate. They don't treat sex as verbal kindliness. They don't treat sex as verbal kind-heartedness. They don't treat sex as verbal warm-heartedness. They don't treat sex as verbal tender-heartedness. They don't treat sex as verbal goodwill. They don't treat sex as verbal affectionateness. They don't treat sex as verbal affection. They don't treat sex as verbal warmth. They don't treat sex as verbal gentleness. They don't treat sex as verbal tenderness. They don't treat sex as verbal concern. They don't treat sex as verbal care. They don't treat sex as verbal consideration. They don't treat sex as verbal considerateness. They don't treat sex as verbal helpfulness. They don't treat sex as verbal thoughtfulness. They don't treat sex as verbal unselfishness. They don't treat sex as verbal selflessness. They don't treat sex as verbal altruism. They don't treat sex as verbal compassion. They don't treat sex as verbal sympathy. They don't treat sex as verbal understanding. They don't treat sex as verbal empathy. They don't treat sex as verbal understanding. They don't treat sex as verbal big-heartedness. They don't treat sex as verbal benevolence. They don't treat sex as verbal benignity. They don't treat sex as verbal friendliness. They don't treat sex as verbal neighborliness. They don't treat sex as verbal hospitality. They don't treat sex as verbal amiability. They don't treat sex as verbal courteousness. They don't treat sex as verbal public spiritedness. They don't treat sex as verbal generosity. They don't treat sex as verbal magnanimity. They don't treat sex as verbal patience. They don't treat sex as verbal charitableness. They don't treat sex as verbal graciousness. They don't treat sex as verbal humaneness. They don't treat sex as verbal mercifulness. They don't treat sex as verbal decency. They don't treat sex as verbal bounteousness. They don't treat sex as healthy verbal indulgence. They don't treat sex as verbal healthy lenience. They don't treat sex as healthy verbal tolerance. They don't treat sex as 
verbal kind acts. They don't treat sex as verbal good deeds. They don't treat sex as verbal acts of kindness. They don't treat sex as verbal favor. They don't treat sex as verbal act of assistance. They don't treat sex as verbal service. They don't treat sex as verbal aid. They don't treat sex as verbal help. They don't treat sex as verbal good turn. They treat sex as verbal unkindness, verbal meanness, and verbal disservice. The opposite is also true. They don't treat sex as, you know, overall, they don't treat sex as verbal kindness. Here's where we go to the opposite. I'm talking about porn. And in a lot of porn, they don't treat sex as nonverbal kindness. They don't treat sex as the nonverbal quality of being nonverbally friendly, nonverbally generous, and nonverbally considerate. They don't treat sex as nonverbal kindliness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal kindheartedness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal warm-heartedness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal tender-heartedness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal goodwill. They don't treat sex as nonverbal affectionateness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal affection. They don't treat sex as nonverbal warmth. They don't treat sex as nonverbal gentleness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal tenderness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal concern. They don't treat sex as nonverbal care. They don't treat sex as nonverbal consideration. They don't treat sex as nonverbal considerateness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal helpfulness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal thoughtfulness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal unselfishness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal selflessness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal altruism. They don't treat sex as nonverbal compassion. They don't treat sex as nonverbal sympathy. They don't treat sex as nonverbal empathy. They don't treat sex as nonverbal understanding. They don't treat sex as nonverbal big heartedness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal benevolence. They don't treat sex as nonverbal benignity. They don't treat sex as nonverbal friendliness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal neighborliness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal hospitality. They don't treat sex as nonverbal amiability. They don't treat sex as nonverbal courteousness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal public spiritualness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal generosity. They don't treat sex as nonverbal magnanimity. They don't treat sex as healthy nonverbal indulgence. They don't treat sex as nonverbal patience, just like they don't treat sex as verbal patience. They don't treat sex as nonverbal healthy tolerance. They don't treat sex as nonverbal charitableness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal graciousness. They don't treat sex as non-healthy nonverbal lenience. They don't treat sex as nonverbal humaneness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal mercifulness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal decency. They don't treat sex as nonverbal bounteousness. They treat sex as nonverbal unkindness, nonverbal meanness, and nonverbal disservice. They don't treat sex as nonverbal kind acts. They don't treat sex as nonverbal good deeds. They don't treat sex as nonverbal acts of kindness. They don't treat sex as nonverbal good turns. They don't treat sex as 
nonverbal favors. They don't treat sex as nonverbal acts of assistance. They don't treat sex as nonverbal service. They don't treat sex as nonverbal help. And they don't treat sex as nonverbal aid. They don't treat sex as nonverbal kindness. And I also noticed that that when it comes to the sex, some of the sex I've seen in um, sex I've seen in porn, um, a lot of this sex in mainstream porn is prejudice, um, partisan, dogmatic, chauvinistic, bigoted, sexist, racist, one-sided. Partiality, unfairness, enmity, prejudgment, antipathy, Apartheid. Animosity bad opinion, contemptuousness, and I also a lot of the sex and um. in mainstream porn. (sighs) Tends to have sex that is dictatorial, egotistical, overbearing, Domineering, tyrannical, pig headed, high and mighty, fanatical, magisterial. And to be honest, Right, it promotes rape culture doctrines, rape culture principles, rape culture propositions, 
rape culture precepts, rape culture articles, rape culture concepts, rape culture convictions, rape culture opinions, rape culture conventions, rape culture attitudes, rape culture traditions, rape culture unwritten laws, rape culture common laws, rape culture teachings, rape culture accepted beliefs, rape culture articles of faith, rape culture canons, rape culture regulations, rape culture rules, rape culture pronouncements, rape culture declarations, rape culture laws, rape culture quote unquote natural laws, rape culture policies, rape culture uh, industries, rape culture systems, rape culture entities, rape culture individuals, rape culture groups, rape culture ideas, rape culture ideals, rape culture policies, uh, rape culture institutions, rape culture... personalities or culture temperaments and then I have um, wanted to say that in regards to that kind of that kind of world um, I noticed with the second semester porn that a lot of times in, it misdepicts sex Mainstream porn does have some mainstream porn does have um, sexual stereotypes, sexual caricatures, sexual misinterpretations, sexual misrepresentations. Um, And that world does not consider the importance of sexual cautionary tales. It doesn't have the necessary sexual satire in place. And it doesn't even have sexual edutainment. Um, I've noticed that... um, kind of world when it comes to the sex itself a lot of times there is a abruptly telling each other what to do um in regards to penile penetration it could be the on top position, the back door position, the spooning missionary positions. A lot of times when they transition into the sex, it's often hurried and rushed and too quick. I noticed that they look angry and constipated at their co-stars. They don't look at their co-stars happily and gleefully. And a lot of times, they tell each other what to do at the same time in creepy manners. Um, It's like 
they use adult language. I don't have a problem with adult language, but how they use it, it's a way of trying to shut each other up in the form of, I know what to do sexually and you don't. That's how a lot of times the men make the women feel. And the man feels insulted when he's made to feel like, actually, you don't know what you're doing. That's how they'll, some of them will take a woman's sexual command. And that's how some women will take a man's sexual command. Hey, you're, you're saying I, I'm sexually inexperienced. I don't appreciate that. So a lot of times they feel like their manhood womanhood is under attack and, because they look at sexual commands as an attack. And often in mainstream porn world, um, for some productions, not all, there is a sexual death wish mentality. Like, why, for the life of me, I just can't understand why mention who has the largest genital you've ever seen. None of that matters. You're with that person. Most mainstream porn is just two people. Very few of the mainstream porn is group sex. But even group sex, it still applies. Why talk about... Why measure a person's penis in the midst of sex? Why measure a person's vagina in the midst of sex? And... Why talk about this is the smallest genital I've ever seen and this is the largest genital I've ever seen? Why do you think of that when it comes to sex? All of that is irrelevant, none of that is relatable, and none of that it resonates with people like me. And to me it's all distasteful and tasteless, it's tacky and turbulent to me. I wouldn't want to sleep with somebody that is not into me, but they'll compliment my genitalia, but they will insult me. They don't even compliment me. Some of them may even insult your genitalia. I just, I just don't understand how anybody can have sex with that person. Even for money, I just couldn't do it. And why the whole... And I never understood how when they have sex with each other, like, they often lack erotica-type talk that is a mixture of Artful and steamy. You can be steamy in an artful way. Often they misuse sexual slang. Often their pop culture reference to each other's bodies is badly worded and badly contexted. Often their 
often in mainstream porn, sometimes you hear analogies, metaphysical language, metaphorical language, allegorical language, figurative language, and poetic language being tortured and tormented. And they use them so abusively, so traumatically, so victimizingly. Yes, I made that word because I'm well-educated. I can do that. And oftentimes, the way they penetrate, sometimes use the hands that men you could tell that it's overly aggressive, unnecessarily painful. You could hear the vibrations of their physical damage to the women. And sometimes the women, when they reverse roles, they do the same things to the men. And I notice a lot of times the man completely controls the sex. Very few occasionally see the woman completely controlling the sex. The man controls the dressing, undressing. The duration of positions, the changing of positions, everything thought, said, felt, and done during our camera sex, the man controls everything. Very few times will you see the woman doing all the above and the man is letting it completely happen on purpose. And I noticed that when they change positions, for example, they don't let each other know kindly, you know, by looking at each other that it's time to engage in other sexual activity. It's it could be in the middle of deep throating. It could be in the middle of the jackhammering just out of nowhere. Bada boom, bada bang. Do this, do that. There is no sense of slowing down. Um, and lovingly whispering to each other's ear. Because some people don't like sexual commands. Some people like sexual questions. Some people like sexual suggestions. Some people like a mixture of sexual questions, sexual suggestions. Like, you can ask a sexual question in a sexually suggestive way that is um, gentle and generous. Some people just like sexual commands. Some people like sexual commands more than others. Some people like sexual questions more than others. Some people like sexual suggestions. Some people don't really like sexual suggestions. Some people just want to... Some people just say, 
do it long enough, but no one to change positions. Some people, which can be confusing to some people and easily understandable to other people, depending on the type of lover that you are. Some people um, want to just just change the position. They they feel like, hey, you know, we're we're sharing, we're body sharing, so you decide everything, or I, or we decide everything together. Whatever you're doing is what I'm aligned with. But some people communicate. Some people. Um, that's just how they non-verbal behave is never verbally stated. Just the vibe they get from each other. And there's some lovers who to some extent they like it, but for the most part they don't. And some don't like it at all. I think every some people like that, some people don't, some people like it more than others. And I have knowledge with sex though that um a lot of times they'll grab the woman's head too hard or neck too hard and choke her and pull out her hair I'm like you gotta keep her hair from falling out and they'll just grab her head and just chicken head motion it too abrasively I'm just like wow they want you to gag choke and have fixation in the middle of fellatio which is sickening and frightening to me then also to mainstream porn too that um, some of the sounds, especially when they use their hands, it could be the smack, grab, you know. And uh, it's too loud. And it's like, it shouldn't sound too much like firecrackers. And then I noticed, like, a lot of mainstream porn, for example, they do the one-hand motion too much. They, they, they let their penis touch the woman more than they use their hand to touch the woman. It creates verbal sexual distance that's needless and nonverbal sexual distance that's needless. It's basically... Um, completely devoid of compassionate intimacy and completely filled of as this woman is my is my it's just an orgasmic release she's not someone to orgasm with. You know, she has orgasms, I get mine, great. She has to get hers, which is vomitous to me. And then I notice a lot of mission porn too, that they often play the sexual guessing game with each other. Sometimes they'll stop or start and they look at each other confused. Sometimes they will use snarky, sarcastic comments. Or sometimes, with the men in particular, they'll slam their hand on the couch or the sofa, and the woman's trying to figure out, do you want me to blowjob you to to this side, that side? Do you want me to turn around? Do you want me to 
flip over and sometimes the man will look at her like she's dumb or insinuate she's dumb verbally and then when the woman finally quote unquote gets it the man will shake his head and say it's about damn time but he'll say something along those lines without saying it sometimes I actually will and it's just all forms of being a jackass and then I notice sometimes the man the woman and the man will just get up and go to the other side of the room and why are you and they'll get an enjoyment out of see I made her exercise to get to me I made him exercise to get to me they'll just go from place to place to room to room to room and they'll constantly do that okay I went upstairs I got her to exercise go upstairs I got her to exercise come downstairs and they do and the women with the men it's so weird like they transition it's kind of like you barely touch her but when she's about to blow job you now you spank her it's weird and it's like, but you were just holding on to her for dear life as if you never could have sex again, up and down motion, so bizarrely, so crazily, so stupidly, too. And the only time they'll kind of touch the woman is if it's time to do another penetrable position or mostly just oral sex, but... And it's weird how many people in porn will have lesbian sex and gay sex even though they are heterosexual. But why would you financially deceive yourself? And why would you have sex that you don't fully enjoy for money? Even doing that for free is unwise. Even financially deceiving yourself is unwise, especially sexually. And having the type of sex that you wouldn't normally have is unwise. Like, the type of sex you should have in real life, yeah, there's some exaggerations, but you should be true to yourself even in porn. Like, I'm straight, I have straight sex. I'm gay, I have gay sex. I just get paid to do what I do off camera, right? To me, that, to me, that sexual authenticity, sexual transparency, that central transparency, central authenticity, it's erotic authenticity, erotic transparency. It's like, if you don't fully enjoy it off camera, then getting paid is not going to make you enjoy it even more because it's a one-time fee. You get paid one time each movie to be a sexual self-sabotager and so you're going to sexually sabotage your co-stars that is shitty and that is fucked up then another thing I noticed in live mission porn is that um, you get paid unfairly to have the kind of sex you normally wouldn't have that you don't fully enjoy that's just horseshit to me. Now I'm gonna get tell you what I, another thing I noticed about mainstream porn in particular. I have truly, truly, truly noticed that a lot of people are sexually gullible. Um, 
sexual monkey see monkey do sexual impulsivity compulsivity some of those tricks seeing porn it's like you'll you'll agree to something sexually that it's not in you to do everything your partner says you down with it even though deep down you don't follow personally what they're saying and a lot of times with the sex it's basically I talk about a body part but I won't engage in that body part all the way because deep down that person may not feel like maybe I I, I lack hand strength maybe I lack tongue strength Maybe I lack lip strength. Maybe I lack mouth strength. Mouth strength. Maybe I lack penile strength. So it's a way to psych themselves up to try to get themselves to believe something sexual they know that they believe that they sexually lack. And um, it's like um, a lot of times they'll only do something sexually if they're told to do it. If they're not told to do it, they'll just explore the body part in a different way. If you te- if you don't tell me to touch, I won't touch. I'll just stare and talk about it. Or if you don't tell me to look, I'm not going to look. I'm going to just feel all over it. And it's like, if you like a body part... You have to um, be honest with yourself about all the options you have regarding it. So, for example, if I like a body part, I have to do a sexual inventory checklist with myself. We all have to do sexual inventories for those of us who are sexually active. Even though they're not sexually active, it still applies. Um, you have to say to yourself, okay, am I... Am I saying it because that's what I was raised to believe? Or is this something I truly, truly like and don't need to be told I'm independent? Because I recognize in the sex, there's sexual codependency sexual enabling, sexually coddling of sexual dysfunction in the form of well, this is what my homies said. It's like it ain't about your homies. Your homies are not having sex with them. You are. So, okay. If you like a body part, how are you willing to caress? How much are you willing to caress? Do you, are you going to rub it? How much do you like to rub it? Do you like to squeeze it? How much do you want to squeeze it? Do you like to spank it? How much do you like to spank it? Do you like to smack it? How much do you like to smack it? Do you want to slap it? How much do you want to slap it? Um, beholding and holding. Are you into both? How much are you into holding and beholding? Licking. Are you into that? How much are you into... How much do you like licking? Um, taste testing. Are you into it? How much you like to taste test? Um, penile penetration. Are you into that? How much are you willing to penile penetrate? Um, butting heads with it gently. How 
are you into that? How much you like to into butting heads with it? Um, it could be Fingertip it. Are you into that? How much you into finger tipping? Um, you know, palming it. Are you into that? How much you into palming it? It could be stroking it. Are you into that? How much you into stroking it? Not just with your genitals, but other ways too, like. Biting it, sucking it, slurping it. Are you into those things? I'm not into biting, slurping, and sucking. Drinking it, eating it. I'm not into eating it and drinking it. So, people have to be honest with themselves about all these ways of delighting in human body parts. It's healthy fetishes, not fetishization. There's a balance. And I've really learned that um, many times with people, they feel like they don't always have the conscious cognizance to remember all the options. It's like, you don't have to, okay, whew, I got the body part. I can just feel on it. But you say you really like that body part. Are you open to exploring that body part in just one way or more than one way? And how many ways are you into exploring that particular body part? Don't just, oh my God, I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. I don't know if I'll ever get another opportunity. It's before me now. Ooh, ah, la, la. It's like you have to have the sexual confidence knowing that you get to have sex again. So don't just, ah, mission accomplished, I have it. I'm like, you have to fully respect that body part, fully honor that body part, fully cherish the body part. More importantly, cherish the person the most, honor the person the most, respect the person the most. And that's often what is lacking in um, a lot of mainstream porn, it's basically a sense of, whoop, they dropped, it dropped in my lap. Not, wow, we naturally met as people. It's mostly, um, you know, a sense of They, they get stuck. It's like a deer in the headlights stuck when it comes to the sex. And it's like, okay, you, you have to be in the sexual present moments. You have to be in the erotic present moments, sensual present moments. More probably to be in the present moments with the person. I'll explain the rest tomorrow. On second thought, I'll tell you now the rest.
because I have learned that a lot of times there have been reports by many people who have ties to the mainstream porn world that the on-camera sex, many of the co-stars reported being beaten abusively, thrashed abusively, hit abusively, punished abusively, whipped abusively, pistol whipped abusively, flogged abusively, trounced abusively, spanked abusively, scourged abusively, switched abusively, lashed abusively, slapped abusively, cuffed abusively, boxed abusively, strapped abusively, birched abusively, caned abusively, horse-whipped abusively, buffeted abusively, pummeled abusively, tapped abusively, wrapped abusively, struck abusively, bumped abusively, pat abusively, knocked abusively, pound, did abusively, clubbed abusively, punched abusively, batted abusively, flailed abusively, battered abusively, mauled abusively, whacked abusively, hammered abusively, clouted abusively, smacked abusively, bagged abusively, swatted abusively, slugged abusively, beat black and blue abusively, wailed abusively, belt abusively, whacked abusively, beat the tar out of abusively, beat the daylights out of abusively, beat the hell out of abusively, beat the shit out of abusively, knocked the stuffing out of abusively, Walloped abusively, licked abusively, pasted abusively, bashed abusively, worked over abusively, thwacked abusively, to pulsate abusively, thumped abusively, pulsed abusively, throbbed abusively, to worst abusively, overcome abusively, surpass abusively, conquered abusively, defeat abusively, stirred abusively, need K-N-E-A-D abusively, and to mix abusively. And then I've noticed that um, many of um, the people who are tied to mainstream world say that the on-camera sex, they... uh, have reported that the on-camera sex was, you know, the being inside each other's personal space was abusive, the hand-holding was abusive, the hugging was abusive, the kissing was abusive, the caressing was abusive, the eye contact was abusive, the cuddling was abusive, the caressing was abusive, the tickling was abusive, the rubbing was abusive, The kissing on the lips was abusive. The kissing on the cheeks was abusive. The massaging was abusive. The rubbing was abusive. The grabbing was abusive. The grasping was abusive. The holding was abusive. The beholding was abusive. Uh, The physically changing positions was abusive. Um, The penetration was abusive. The... um, 
they discussed how in a lot of the um, on-camera sex was filled with verbal attacks, um, verbal abuse, um, insults, rudeness, bullying, humiliation, ad hominems, incivility, intimidation, physical abuse, psychological abuse, emotional abuse, rape, self-abuse, stalking, taunting, teasing, terrorism, false accusations, discriminatory abuse, and um, adult abuse too. That's what um, they, that's what they said, and they also said that the touch was abusive, taste was abusive, smell was abusive, hand was abusive, and sight was abusive. Um, the breathing was abusive. The temperature was abusive. That's what they said. And, um... They, um... The porn industry is insensitive, should I say desensitized to frontal lobes. The frontal lobes are in the front part of your brain, right behind your forehead. It's the largest lobe and it controls voluntary movement, speech, and intellect. The parts of your frontal lobes that control movement are called the primary motor cortex or precentral gyrus, the parts of your brain that play an important role in memory, intelligence, and personality, includes your prefrontal cortex as well as many other regions of your brain. The porn industry is desensitized to the occipital lobes. These lobes in the back of your brain allow you to notice and interpret visual information. Your your occipital lobes control how you process shapes, colors, and movement. The porn industry is desensitized to peri- Lobes. The parietal lobes are near the center of your brain. They receive and interpret signals from other parts of your brain. This part of your brain integrates many sensory inputs so that you can understand your environment and the state of your body. This part of your brain helps give meaning to what's going on in your environment. The porn is desensitized to the temporal lobes. These parts of the brain are near your ears on each side of your brain. The temporal lobes are important in being able to recall words or places that you've been. It also helps you recognize people, understand language, interpret other people's emotions. The porn industry is desensitized to limbic lobes. The limbic lobe sits deep in the middle portions of your brain. The limbic lobe is a part of your temporal, parietal, and frontal lobes. Important parts of the limbic system include your amygdala, best known for regulating your fight or flight response, and your your hippocampus, where you store short-term memories. 
The porn industry is synthesized to insular lobes. The insular lobes sit deep in the temporal, parietal, and frontal lobes. The insular lobe is involved in the processing of many sensory inputs, including sensory and motor inputs, autonomic inputs, pain perception, perceiving what is heard, and overall body perception, the perception of your environment. The porn industry is synthesized to the dura matter, the outermost, the outermost layer lies lines your entire skull parts of the dura matter form folds that separate the right half of your brain from the left the foreign industry desensitized to the ara- arachnoid the middle layer of the meninges is a thin fragile layer of tissue that covers your entire brain the foreign industry desensitized to the pia matter the innermost la- layer contains blood vessels that run into your brain's surface And um, the porn industry is desensitized to um, thalamus. Your thalamus is a structure residing deep in your cerebrum and above your brain stream, your brain stem. This structure is sometimes referred to as the switchboard of the central nervous system. It relays various sense information like sight, sound, or touch to your cerebral cortex and the rest of your body. Porn industry is desensitized to the hypothalamus. Your hypothalamus sits below your thalamus. It's important in regulating various hormonal functions, autonomic function, hunger, thirst, and sleep. Your hypothalamus and pituitary gland are important structures involved in the control of your hormonal system. Porn industry is desensitized to the pituitary gland. Your pituitary gland sends out hormones to different organs in your body. The porn industry is desensitized to the basal ganglia. Your basal ganglia are a group of nuclei, nuclei deep in your cerebrum that is important to the, in, that is important in the control of your movement, including motor, learning, and planning. Porn industry is desensitized to the brainstem nuclei. They are a number of nuclei situated in your brainstem involved in a variety of different functions, including cells that give rise to a number of important cranial nerves, normal sleep function, uh, autonomic functions, breathing, and heart rate and pain. The porn industry is synthesized in reticular formation. Your reticular formation is a part of your brainstem and thalamic nuclei. These are a part of your reticular activating system, nuclei plus the white matter connecting these nuclei, which lies in your brainstem, hypothalamus and thalamus. The reticular activating system, RS, mediates your level of awareness, consciousness, and focus. They also help control your sleep-wake transitions and autonomic function. The porn industry is synthesized neurons. Neurons send and receive electric nerve signals. Porn industry is desensitized to glial cells, which help maintain your brain form my myelin, a fatty protective substance found in white matter, provide nutrition to your brain. Um, The porn industry is synthesized to the fact that your brain enables thought and decisions, memories and emotions, movements, motor function, balance and coordination, perception of various sensations including pain, automatic behavior such as breathing, heart rate, sleep and temperature control, regulation of organ function, speech and language functions, fight or flight response like stress response for example. Um, 
The porn industry is desensitized to cerebrum. Your cerebrum interprets sight, sounds, and touches. It also regulates emotions, reasoning, and learning. Your cerebrum makes, a, makes up about 80% of your brain. The porn industry is desensitized to cerebellum. Your cerebellum maintains your balance, posture, coordination, fine motor skills. It's located in the back of your brain. The porn industry um, is desensitized to brainstem. Your brainstem regulates many automatic body functions. You don't consciously control these functions like your heart rate, breathing, sleep, and wake, wake, wake cycles and swallowing. Your brainstem is in the lower part of your brain. It connects the rest of your brain to your spinal cord. So the porn industry doesn't think about this, how important the brain is in relation to sex. Um... And that's something that people not in porn should be mindful of too. And then I've noticed that um, needs to be fully sensitized to relationship between the brain and sex and I've noticed that they don't think about the relationship between brain and sex if you're on the autism spectrum and if you're just labeled disabled in general